Hello, I'm Joss Stone. Thanks for joining me for a cup of happy. I spent the last few years singing my songs in every country in the world and been lucky enough to meet incredible people from all walks of life. What really struck me is that no matter where we are, we're all on the same mission. We're all just trying to find our version of happy. So with this podcast, I'm going to be speaking to a whole host of people to dig deeper into the what, why, and how of this emotion we call happiness. I hope that with these conversations, you discover something to help you on your own quest for happiness, possibly change your mind on a few things, and along the way, share a good old laugh with me and my guests. This episode is part two of a chat that I had last week with author and brain box, Mo Gaudat. If you haven't listened to that one, you might want to go back and do that first. Or you might not, up to you. Today we talk about how we separate our thoughts from our identity, success versus happiness, and how rom-coms demonstrate something very important about our lives. So settle in for part two of my chat with the incredible Mo Gaudat. We have to ask ourselves, why is it that we feel unhappy so often for three reasons? Okay, three deep conditionings that they put in us in the modern world. The first of them is happiness is unpredictable and unattainable. It's not something that you can actually work on uh, systemically and get to. Okay, just like they say about fitness. And the truth is, no, it is predictable. And if you work on it through neuroplasticity, just like your muscles grow when you work out regularly, your brain rewires itself when you when you practice your happiness exercises regularly and you become happier more often that's number one myth number two which is the biggest myth of the modern world is happiness doesn't matter most people will say what matters what matters is my success what matters is my wealth my my partners yeah but that's because they want to be happy they just think success is the way to get it there you go and that is the whole point the whole point is we we were told that if we were to do certain things in life, we will eventually be secure, successful, uh, supported, whatever that is, accepted, and then we will be happy as a result. Success is more important than happiness. And so what do we do? We take decisions that prioritize success over happiness. We take decisions that prioritize our ego over our happiness. We take decisions that prioritize our dreams, stupid dreams, more than happiness. Because we think that's how we're going to get it. We're capable beings. So if you prioritize success saying, I'm going to pay the tax of unhappiness until I get to success, you are likely going to get to success and you're likely going to pay the tax of unhappiness. Right. So and then who do you blame? You blame your choices. You made choices. If if you interviewed for a job that pays you 100 pounds more instead of a job that makes you happier, you're likely going to get a job that pays you 100 pounds more and not make you happier. That's 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 a choice. And the third is because of those two conditionings, we end up not being in charge of our happiness and and happiness simply is entirely up to you. When I wrote Soul for Happy, I wrote it like software, right? So I I wrote the first version, I called it the alpha version. I gave it out to 10 people to review it. Then I came up with a beta. I gave it to 270 people to review it. Literally people I don't know, I put it online and asked them to edit it, okay? And of those, 8% dropped out on page 11. Those people were actually depressed. 
this is it. Now, why do people get so pissed off when they are told, guess what? There's this wonderful, easy way for you to feel better. For two reasons. Why? For two reasons. One is, are you telling me that I'm unhappy because of me? No, no, no. I'm unhappy. It's responsibility, yeah, I'm, isn't exactly. it? Exactly. I'm, I'm unhappy because the world is unfair to me. Right? Right. Uh, right. Yeah. It's easier when you can blame. Exactly. You can point fingers and you say, I'm not, I'm not responsible for my happiness. I'm just, you know, I'm just the victim here. So only 8% of those people dropped out. Yeah. And, and they dropped out because I told them in page 11 that happiness was a choice. Now, let me explain this to you. You have that massive argument with your boyfriend uh, before you go to work. You remember the days when we used to commute. Okay. And then, and then you go to work and throughout the half an hour or hour commute until you get to work, you're doing nothing but working that argument in your head, feeling angry, feeling pissed off, feeling threat. Yeah, and it's just getting worse, getting and, worse, worse and, and worse and worse. You get to work hmm, and, and your boss says, where's that report I asked for yesterday? Yeah, where is that report? Brain, stop talking about my boyfriend. Let's focus on the report. And for the 10 minutes when you're focusing on the report, you're not thinking about the boyfriend. You're not feeling upset. And then you send the report and you go like, okay, time to torture myself again. What did he say yesterday? And then you go back to right? it. Yes. It's a choice. It's a choice. You, you, and you have the capability to stop it. Because when the boss tells you where is the report, you stop it. Why is it then that you allow yourself to drown in it for so long if you can stop it just because the boss asked for a report? Are there any kind of little tips and tricks to stop that thought from coming back in? Because sometimes you find it impossible to not think about it. And sometimes you're, you're thinking about it when you wake up in the morning and, and when you go to sleep at night. And it's like, it's like this nasty little thought that just won't bugger off. Yes. So, so the, the Stoics will tell you uh, the first thing to understand is that you can drown in that thought for the rest of your life. It's not going to change a thing. It definitely won't help. It, it definitely won't <laughs> help and it definitely will make you upset. And so, you know, when Ali when Ali left our world, I could have hit my head against the wall for 27 years until I'm on my deathbed, right? It wouldn't have brought him back. So there's no point. There is, look, look I mean, I'm not saying that this is enough for you to change your mind, but just know that it, it just doesn't make any difference. That's number one, right? Now, then let's understand the nature of thought. Okay, and the big challenge in the modern world is uh, what Descartes taught us. Descartes taught us that I think, therefore I am. Right? For most for most people who grew up in a in a Western culture, they believe somehow that this voice in their head telling them to do things is them telling themselves what to do. And now the question is, if the voice in your head was you telling you what to do, right? Why would it need to tell you? If it was you talking to you, you would know what it wants to say. From a simple subject-object relationship, you understand that if one is listening and the other is speaking, then they are two different entities. MIT took people and put them in MRI machines in 2007, and they would give the participants uh, word puzzles, just simple puzzles to solve. And they would observe the activity in their brains. And here is what happens. First, the problem-solving areas of the brain would light up for as long as the participant is working on the problem. And then problem-solving areas would completely switch off and your verbal association area of the brain, the part that you use when you're talking out loud, like when I'm talking to you right now, 
they would start to light up for up to eight seconds, and then the participant would know the answer. So the brain finds the answer first and then turns it into words to tell it to you. Your brain is literally talking to you. Now, this is really well known. It's called the internal dialogue. As a matter of fact, when you're talking to yourself, you're, uh, what do you call this, the voice box? It moves ever so slightly like it moves when you're talking. When we're children and we start to learn words, we start to narrate them out loud. It's like, mama car, mama milk, and so on, right? And then it becomes awkward, so we internalize that dialogue. But we still only can comprehend the world around us using those building blocks that are called words. So we're talking to ourselves. Now, if your brain is talking to you, then thinking is a biological function. And it's like any other organ. That biological function is there for a reason, and the reason is survival. Your heart pumps blood around your body. Hmm? Nobody wakes up in the morning and says, "I, I pump blood, therefore I am. You don't associate yourself with the biological product of your heart. You know, nobody thinks of themselves as urine. You know, your kidneys, you know, they produce urine to get toxins out of your body. You don't think of yourself as that biological product, right? No. I said, I, I no. said, I said that uh, <laughs> once in a in a training, uh, and and one very funny young lady said, but I sometimes think of myself as the other one, and I'm like, okay, so then, <laughs> the other like, one. Yeah, I, feel, I, I, I think mean? I'm shit. She said. <laughs> anyway, so. Oh yeah, no. Anyway, <laughs> oh no, that poor lady. <laughs> uh, anyway, so, so, so think about it this way. Why then do we think of ourselves as thoughts? Now, once you realize that you're not the thoughts in your brain, everything changes because suddenly you no longer have to listen. You no longer have to obey. They can't be made out of nothing without proof, right? Imagine if, if you had a friend in school who showed up every seven minutes, told you horrible things about yourself that had no evidence whatsoever and then left. Would you... you wouldn't be very what nice. would you do to that person? You wouldn't be very happy. You would not talk to them anymore. Or when they start to, to, to speak badly, you would go like, hold on. And you would ask them to make sense. So, you know, I, I explained that to a friend of mine, you know, that your brain is not you. And she, a week later, we were sitting having coffee and she said, something silly. And I said, what was that? You know, where did that come from? And she said, oops, sorry, Becky told me. And I was like, who's Becky? And she said, Becky, my brain. And I was like, why, why did you call it Becky? And she said it was the most annoying. She was the most annoying girl in school. Okay. And, and, and that definition is so interesting. I call my brain Becky too. Now when Becky speaks, hmm, I don't listen. I I had an argument with my daughter once. My daughter and I love each other to pieces, right? And we had an argument like every other, you know, father and and daughter. And I said, okay, baby, I'll go out for a coffee. And then we talk, we will talk. And I stepped out. The minute I'm in the street, Becky tells me, Aya doesn't love you anymore. Oh, that's Becky's wrong. Becky's absolutely crazy, right? So I stopped, <laughs> Becky I stopped talks shit. in the middle exactly. <laughs> stopped in the middle of the street and out loud, I promise you, out loud I said, What did you just say, Becky? Like a crazy man. Okay. <laughs> and and you know, my brain was like really, really like, oh shit, I'm caught now. Right? And, was like, right? Right. and, and I was like, what <laughs> evidence funny. do you have to destroy my life? How can you say something like that? Now, if we start to recognize, this is scientific, by the way, Stanford University ran research, 60 to 70% of the thoughts in an adult brain are negative. 
Oh my God, really? So it's more than oh, half? Oh, way more than half. Way more than half. Seven, seven of every 10 thoughts that you think are negative. That's not yeah. good. And you have to ask yourself, is life really, is, is 70% of my life wrong? I wouldn't be alive if, I, if 70% of my life is wrong. Yeah, that, that's not right. If that's how our brains are acting, we need to really seriously like, sort ourselves out. How do, we, how do we sort that out? How do we stop our brains from being Becky? Every time Becky brings you a negative answer, you, bring her, you ask her for a positive one. I have a very simple rule with my brain. Very simple. My brain is allowed to give me a positive thought or a joyful thought. That's it. Okay? Like you would want from a friend. When Ali died, my brain started to attack me and say you should have driven him to another hospital. Oh it no! Happens. no, no it no, happens, no. right? And and so and so, yeah. Well, you start to blame yourself Absolutely. and think, well, what if, Absolutely. what if, what and if? Then the, and, and then the question becomes, okay, brain, I, I literally out loud, huh? okay, brain. So, what can I do with this? I can't go back in time and drive him to another hospital. Can you give me something useful to do? Okay, and then you know, four days later, my brain comes back after Aya's dream and says, okay, let's write the book. Let's share his. Uh, you know, his wisdom. And, and that's, is that a, a useful thought? Yeah, very useful brain. Let's work on it. I cannot wait to read that book. That is the silver lining. You, you've turned something so difficult. And I guess it's because you've decided to ignore Becky. You've turned something so horrible into something so beautiful and so helpful to so many people. Nothing is horrible. Nothing is ever horrible. Tell me... Um, how did you get to that? Even the death of your son that you loved so, 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 so much. Nothing is ever horrible because if you look back at the, the most difficult parts of your life, I, I actually wrote a, a thought experiment in Soul for Happy and I ran it with around 20,000 people in trainings. And the thought experiment is called the eraser test. And, and basically at the time I was still at Google X and so I told them I've invented something in Google X which will allow us to pinpoint a point in the past. Okay, uh, your past and erase it completely. You know, that bully or that annoying boyfriend or whatever it is that you want. Erase it from your erase mind. Erase it from the world. It never happened. But this isn't real, yeah, right? It's a thought experiment. Okay. Okay, now, okay, now, right. I, I and, and I asked people. Well, you never know with Google. They can come <laughs> up with all sorts soon, of mad yes. stuff. <laughs> so, so, so I, and, I asked, and I asked people and I said, okay, pinpoint the most difficult one of those experiences hmm? and I will erase it for you. And you know what happens? 99.999% hmm? of the time, people will say, oh, yeah, I want to erase that, you know, it, it, a horrible boyfriend. Okay. And I say, okay, but please understand that if you erase him, you're going to erase everything that ever came as a result. You're going to erase every person that you met through him. You're going to erase everything that you've learned because of that experience. You've gonna, you're going to erase everything that resulted, that made you the person that you are right now. Have you seen the movie Eternal Sunshine of there the Spotless Mind? Yes. That's this. And it's devastating when they go through the erasing process. It's just devastating. You wouldn't want it. And the question, the question is, if you really think through the eraser test, would you erase anything? Would I erase anything? Yes. Okay, what was that? The death of my dog. The death of your dog. Would you erase that? Yes. Okay, and would you erase that, the death of, the, of your dog? Because it's so it sad. Is sad. It, it, I don't it like is sad. it. I understand fully. But hang on. Does that mean that I have to erase all the memories of her? No, no. You just have to erase all of the memories that resulted from losing her, including your, including oh. your, your dog now. Ooh. No, because there's things that have happened because of that. And the whole point in, of life is this. Like Ali used to tell you. Huh? Oh, 
it's horrible. No, it's mm. not. Nothing's horrible, it's sorry. Not. <laughs> See, I need to be retrained. <laughs> I need that cognitive behavioral it, it therapy. Is, it is life. <laughs> it is life. Life yeah. life is to be lived. You know, sweet and sour is not we don't enjoy sweet and sour because of the sweet and not the sour. Your life has to be lived and every part of life, including sometimes, you know, hitting your your uh, your elbow against something makes you feel alive. Life, life is that whole series of experiences. Imagine hmm, if you watch the romantic comedy where they met at the beginning of the movie, kissed and kept kissing for the entire one and a half hours. Like what, 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 yeah, what is, it would be very what is boring. the story in that? Right? It's, imagine if you, if you went to a job oh, and they said, okay, sit here and click the letter J every minute for the rest of your life. There is, there is no joy, there is no development, there is no purpose, there is nothing. Life is made up of that. It's made up of the difficult parts of the game. And, 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 so, and so when you really, really think about life as it is, hmm, most of what is causing our anxiety is a distortion in the, in the balance between perception of events and expectations. Okay? And the idea is to try to tell to, to, to get yourself down to the actual truth. And what is the actual truth? The actual truth is you're fine. If you're listening to this, then be, that means you're alive. That's actually good, by the way. If you mean if it means you're alive, that's better than that's, that's, a big b- tick. that's better than many people. Okay, that you actually have a device uh, that runs a podcast player on it that you can spend an hour and a half to listen to us, right? Which, by the way, makes you much better than many people in the world. And now you're uh, you're listening to us trying to talk about happiness instead of listening to some kind of a news network trying to tell you that the world is all going to end tomorrow. That's actually quite good. And I can count for hours the number of blessings. It's a counting your blessings thing. I've, I mean, everything that we've spoken about today is about counting your blessings, isn't it, really? It's about kind of looking at the reality and going, why is everything okay rather than why is everything not okay? Honestly, we take so much for granted. It's just interesting, isn't it? When you travel a lot and you see the world, you kind of realise, bloody hell, we're so lucky, hey? Yeah, I just want people to feel that way, to feel lucky. Being lucky is useless if you don't feel lucky. Look down, look at so many people around you are suffering so much more than you. Western cultures, and I do, I'm, I'm not against Western cultures, understand, I, I'm Eastern born and, and, and cultured and Western educated, right? Do you think people are happier in the East or in the West? And people have less in the East. More doesn't make you happy. It just makes you really it annoyed. Ma- it makes you... Because co- then you want more, more, exactly, more. Exactly, and it makes you concerned <laughs> about losing the more that you have. Yeah, it's weird. I've, I've had many conversations. If you were to compare, if you were to say, well, you know, I know we haven't got this here, but if you think about, I don't know, women's rights in um, many different parts of the world or, you know, food and water in lots of different parts of the world... You feel like, wow, oh my God, this is great. But a lot of people just don't want to talk about that. They're like, no, 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 you can't compare the two. Now, let me tell you something, and I know it will sound really, really weird. Huh? ACAST recommends LGBTQ plus creators who are making an impact this month and beyond. Tune in for your new favorite show. Hey, what's up? I'm Sean T. And I wanted to tell you that my podcast, Trust and Believe, is all about uplifting you to the next level of who you are. 
whether it's a solo soul with me telling you about things that are happening in my life and how to get through them, or if it's with one of my amazing guests, at the end of every show, you will learn the tools that you need to push through just to get through another day or maybe another month. It doesn't matter what you're going through. You can always come to my show to feel great about yourself, to always believe in yourself. And at the end of the day, know that you are your power. So join us on the show and get ready to trust and believe. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. Every, every day after Ali died, I wake up in the morning and my brain tells me Ali died. Okay? Our brains are trained. I mean, look, losing, losing a child is unforgettable. You, you never overcome it. Okay? There is a physical pain in my heart, right? Right in the bottom right-hand corner. Okay? Now, every, every morning I wake up, my brain says Ali died. Hmm? And I respond by saying, no brain, Ali lived. Because when you really think about it, I never had a contract from life to be so blessed to get him. Right. And you forget that you just you just tell yourself, oh, he died. Life is so unfair. No, my God, life was so generous. I had a Zen wise Yoda who is full of love in my life for 21 and a half years. Okay, what have I done to qualify for that? Why do I take that for granted? When I've lost him for 21 and a half years, I'll start complaining and say, oh, come on, it's too long now. Think about it. You don't have to look outside. Remember, one, I had a friend of mine who was so, don't know what I would say it wrong, but you know, he was so full of himself, if you want. Okay? Right? <laughs> yeah. and, and one day... Beautifully arrogant, beautifully arrogant, we call it. Right? And, 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 you know, <laughs> believed that he controlled everything in life. And then he was diagnosed... He was diagnosed with a very rare uh, uh, liver disease, okay, oh, where no. uh, where he could not eat, could not drink, could not. He had to be fed on tubes. He could. He couldn't move. He couldn't do anything, and he was. You know. He had, thankfully, he recovered. But at the end of the time, when he was spending weeks and weeks and weeks in hospital on on drippers, and that's the only thing he could do, I asked him and I said, "What would you want from life?" You know, he was that ambitious guy that wanted to be a billionaire and do startups and do this and that. And he said, I want to be able to turn on my side on my own. <gasps> that was That's what he wanted? What, that was his massive desire from life. I was trying to tell him, oh, I was trying to tell heart. him, you know, expect something good from life so that it starts to manifest in your life. So what would you like? Okay. What would you... He started small. Yeah, what baby would you steps. want from life? And he said, I wanted to be able to turn on my side without anyone assisting me. Now, think about that and, and you will realize how blessed you are. Because, because you're not immune to be in his position. No, it could happen to any of us. It could happen to any of us, but it doesn't. And we forget that. We forget that 99% of our life is blessed. I think the biggest advice in the current time, though, is this is the easiest time in the history of humanity to find empathy. Ah, yes, good point. People are giving empathy out like in its droves. Yeah, because if you, if you, if you feel anxious, then I can guarantee you 60% of your friends are feeling anxious. If you know, if you're if listening to us in a country where you're locked down and feeling lonely, then I can guarantee you your friends are feeling lonely too. 
right? Your friends, your loved ones. Empathy is to be able to feel what others are feeling. So it's so easy. Look inside you and what you feel is what they feel. It's the easiest time. you're not on your own. Yeah, it's the easiest time ever for empathy. Now, the only thing is that empathy, as much as wonderful as it is, is useless. Okay? Empathy is useless? It's totally useless. Because what do you do with empathy? Empathy is for me to feel your pain. Compassion is for me Ah. to do something about it. Oh, right. So, com- okay. So when you show your empathy to somebody, that's useful. Absolutely. But just having empathy is not. Having empathy sometimes even works against you because it makes you feel the hardship that people are going through and it makes you feel helpless, right? This is the thing. That's one of my biggest um, issues, I think, is when people around me are sad, I will be sad so much for so long. And my boyfriend is saying to me, there's nothing you can do. It's not your sadness. And I'm like, yeah, but I want them to be happy. And I, and they're not, and I don't know how to fix it. And it's like, wow, that is really pointless. Yeah. Uh, no, so, so, so reality is there is always something you can do. Okay. You cannot fix it, but, but there is something you can do. That's, there, these are two different things. In Islamic culture, we say there are three ways you can change something. Right. The best of them is to take action with your with your hands with your with your words with with your hands so you know if someone fell the easiest thing you can do is to carry them if you can't do that hmm, then use your words okay tell tell them i'm so sorry that you fell i'm so sorry i couldn't pick you up right i, I wish for you to be uh, better and safe and so on okay show them yeah with words show them that you love them yeah absolutely and if you can't even do that, by the way, in, in our current times, that's the easiest thing. Huh? You can call people up who are locked down and tell them, I'm, you know, I feel what you're feeling. I, I wish it was easier. OK, uh, you don't have to unlock them if they are living in France or whatever. You don't have to let them loose on the streets. But just telling them that you empathize is good. That's action. Hmm? And the third is in your heart. In your heart is to say, I wish they were better. It's not just I feel I, I'm sad that they are sad, hmm? but in your heart, can you wish for them to be better? In your heart, you, can you wish that you could call them and comfort them? In your heart, can you, can you wish whatever it is that you could have done to help them? Hmm? And, and that's all you can do. And if you've done any of those, you would feel better than just having the empathy and sitting back and complaining, oh, my best friend has lost her, has lost her boyfriend and she feels horrible. I'm like, okay, what, what can we do with that? Yeah, this is the ultimate time for compassion. It's the easiest time for empathy and it's the ultimate time for compassion. And believe it, nothing ever will make you happier than making another person happy. So true. That's what you're doing all the time, every day. I'm the happiest person you can meet. You are happy, right? (laughs) I really am.